Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Today, we're going to go back in time to our vault for a conversation Brian had 20 years ago with an incredible hero and legend, Dick Hoyt, whose son Rick was born a quadriplegic, unable to use his arms or his legs. Told to basically forget him that he'd be a vegetable all his life, Dick and his family were never going to leave their son behind. Dick began running marathons with his son in a specially converted running wheelchair, and it was the start of an adventure that saw them participate in more than 1,000 races in the coming years. If you look back through sporting archives, you'll even see our very own It's a Good Life logo on the spokes of the wheelchair. Rick's quiet resolve once he had made up his mind is a reminder of what's possible when we set ourselves to a task. Listen in to this incredible story and this tribute to Rick Hoyt's legacy. Great to be with everybody here this morning. I'm very excited about today's call. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful interview with uh, Dick Hoyt of Team Hoyt. And uh, really looking forward to having a little time with uh, Dick here today. For those of you new to our format, let me just explain uh, how it works. Uh, I'm going to spend about 30 minutes uh, doing some asking some questions of Dick uh, today. And uh, obviously, a lot of our uh, systems are built on very practical how-tos of how to generate referrals and how to do business and how to run a business. Um, but also, I spend a significant amount of time through the year on helping people develop uh, themselves personally. Uh, uh, what we've often found is that the systems are, are extremely sharp, and what we have to do is have people sharp uh, to be able to work the system effectively. And one of the ways to become people sharp is to really work on yourself. And uh, uh, one of the reasons we're here today is to talk about to kind of how to overcome adversity and how to overcome challenges. And uh, our guest here on the line today has uh, overcome challenges as well as anybody I've ever come across. And uh, Dick, the top of the morning to you. Good morning. Great to have you here today. I'm very excited. If I can, I'm just gonna I'm gonna give the folks an overview of your story, and maybe uh, you can you can add in where you need to. And then I have a couple of questions I want to ask you today that immediately might be beneficial not only for our clients but for me as well. Um, Now, Dick, you had a a son born, I believe it was 1969, was it? Rick was born. 1962. 62, big pardon, and. he was born a quadriplegic and uh, not able to use his hands or his arms or talk. And um, you guys have kind of struck up a partnership over the years here, and uh, where he's had a, he turned out he's had a great love for sports. I I, I remember watching a video of uh, you guys some years ago, and uh, you guys had got a computer so he could communicate. And uh, the Boston Bruins were in the Stanley Cup Finals, and his first words were "Go Bruins." I <laughs> I find that very insightful. <laughs> yes, yeah. So he's yeah. a real he's uh, loves to compete and loves to be in uh in competition and you guys have uh, formed Team Hoyt which is uh a remarkable remarkable team where you guys uh compete in races and bikes and uh, you've cycled across America you've done triathlons uh the Ironman triathlon I just came back from Hawaii I can't believe you can even run in that heat let alone do a triathlon in that heat but uh, you guys have formed this phenomenal uh team and you've been able to overcome obstacles that are extreme uh to say the least but most of the people listening to this call myself included we're not facing those kinds of obstacles but it sometimes seems the obstacles we have are are every bit as big uh, to us, it can be a small thing, but it's sometimes an obstacle can can seem as large as a mountain. And a couple of questions I had for you today, Dick, in regards to 
you know, how you guys have been able to overcome and been able to achieve at such a high level is what, what exactly is your mindset? What's your thinking process for overcoming challenges? Uh, that's a that's a good question, and uh, that's probably the best question you could ask because uh, that's the most important is your mind. Yeah. If you don't have your mind made up and set, you're not going to be able to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. And the things that, that we do is we never get discouraged. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't get disappointed, and a lot of things don't go the right way, especially when Rick and I first started. Mm-hmm. Well, when Rick's, you know, when Rick was born uh, to start off with uh the doctor said, forget about, forget Rick, put him away, put him in an institution, he's going to be nothing but a vegetable for the rest of his life. Mm. And my wife, Judy, at the time, and I, and I, we said, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to bring Rick home and bring him up like any other child. Mm. We just, we made up our minds that this is what we were going to do, and this is what we have done. Rick has been mainstream and included all of his life mm-hmm. in everything. I mean, we have two other boys, too. And you know how you, you go down to the store to get a loaf of bread, a half a gallon of milk or something, and... And, you know, to take your kids, they can get in and out of the car. But with Rick, you had to put him in his chair, and you had to take him in, you had to carry him in a wheelchair and stuff like this. But this is what we did. Mm. So that he he did everything, and he understood everything. Mm. To uh, So that's the thing. You can't get discouraged, and you never want to give up. Never. And so that was just your mindset from day one? From day one. But where did the running start? Where did that all come into the picture? Well, the running came in uh, when Rick was 12 years old. And uh, to go to go back to the first words Rick ever said was, um, we we knew Rick was smart. We could tell by looking in his eyes mm-hmm. that, that you could tell when you look in somebody's eyes that they're paying attention, they listen to you, and they know what's going on. But the school system said that no, because he he couldn't talk, that he couldn't learn, and he couldn't understand. And a lot of people thought that he was deaf, so they'd yell at him. Mm-hmm. You no, know, and he wasn't deaf. And so we met some engineers from Tufts University in Boston. And we, we, you know, brought Rick to them, and they said the same thing. The teacher said, ah, oh, he can't talk, he can't learn. So what we did is we said, well, you tell Rick a joke. So they told Rick a joke, and he cracked up laughing. And he, well, <laughs> yeah. So they said, well, maybe there is something there, you know? <clears throat> so they said, okay, we will build a communicating device for Rick, but you need $5,000. And this, you got to remember now, this was 39 years ago. Wow. There was nothing around. Rick has been a pioneer all of his life. Mm. So we raised the $5,000 as a family having bake sales and uh, different events, and we had a dinner dance. And we gave the $5,000 to Tufts University, and they came up with the first communicating device. Wow. And uh, we lived up in North Reading, Massachusetts at the time, and the engineers came to our house, and uh, everybody was betting what are the first words Rick is ever going to say. And now she's mom saying, it's going to be, hi, mom. Me to dad saying, oh, it's going to be, hi, dad. And the engineer is just going to say, no, he's going to, you know, thank us for building the computer. Well, the Boston Bruins were going for the Stanley Cup. The very first words he ever said was, go Bruins. <laughs> so we knew right then and there about sports, and he was paying attention. He knew what was going on. He was dialed in. He was, yeah, he was dialed in. <laughs> the most important thing that came out of that was we took Rick and his computer to the school department. And the principal and the teachers took Rick in a room all by himself without his mom and dad. See, before they were saying, oh, it's his mom and dad answering for him. But now he had that computer. They asked him questions. He answered the questions. They had to accept him into the school system. Wow. So it it, it really paid off. And, you know, today Rick is still using, but it's a more high-tech computer that he's using now. Wow. Yeah. So, and then after that first words of gold Bruins, we knew that he loved sports. So we, we tried getting Rick involved in all different types of sports. You know, we take them fishing, and we tie a, 
a string around his finger, and that way he could feel the fish was tugging on it. Mm-hmm. We had to help him pull it in because he couldn't pull it in. Right. And we took him hiking, and we, he's been up on top of five mountains. And what I do is I carry him on my back, you know, fireman's carrier, whichever way it took to get him up on top of the mountains. And he really loved to be involved with everybody else. And then we also took him canoeing. We take him out in the middle of the lake one day. We were out, and uh, my ex-wife at the time fell asleep and tipped over the canoe. So over the three of us went, and Rick was kind of freaking out until I grabbed the hole of him, and then he just calmed right down. And we were able to get into shore, and we tipped the canoe back up. We all got back in, and he wasn't scared at all. We went back to the campsite where we were camping. Raring to go. Raring to go, yeah. And then uh, we used to play uh, baseball with him, where we would, uh, you know, we'd have to hold a bat for him and swing with him and then run to the bases with him. But with his two other brothers, he liked to be the umpire. Because uh, he could call the balls and strikes and call his brothers out at, at the, on the bases. And so from day one, he was he was you guys. Your mindset was, this kid's going to be included. That's you know that the institutions, the the culture said, here's here's the here's the the box he should be put in. Right. But your mindset was just totally different. It's, it was a your thinking is really what has made the difference as much as anything. That's correct. Right. Amazing. Yeah. And then um, Rick was a, a student at a South Middle School out in Westfield, Massachusetts, and his gym teacher really took a liking to, to him, and he used to involve Rick in the different gym activities. And he was also the basketball coach at Westfield State College, and he used to take Rick to the basketball games. Well, one of the basketball games, they made an announcement that one of the lacrosse players in the college had been in an automobile accident, and he was paralyzed from the waist down. Mm-hmm. So they were going to have this charity road race, to try to help raise some money to help him pay his medical bills. And when Rick came home from the basketball game that night, he told me all about it. He said, Dad, I have to do something for him, and I want to run in the race. And at the time, I was 40 years old, and I was not a runner. I used to run maybe three times a week, a mile each time, just to try to keep my weight down. Hmm. And that's all we had at the time was a Mulholland wheelchair, which was prescription-made, form-fitted to Rick's body. Hmm. And we had a hard time pushing him in it, never mind running in it. But I agreed to do that race with Rick, and we went down, and uh, they gave us the number double zero, and uh, it was a five-mile race. And uh, the guns went off, and Rick and I took off, and everybody thought we'd just go down to the corner and turn around and come back. Well, we didn't. We finished the whole five miles. Coming in next to last, but not last. <laughs> That's one thing. We've done over 825 athletic events over the past 20 years, and we well, didn't last in any race. Well. But when we came across that finish line, uh, the gym teacher's wife took a picture of Rick, and it's the biggest smile you ever saw in your life. Mm. And when we got home that night, Rick wrote on his computer, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not even handicapped. Mm. So we finally found a sport that Rick could enjoy and compete in like everybody else. There was only one problem after that. I was handicapped. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you had so many muscles in your body. You could ache. I couldn't move for almost two weeks. Right. So I told Rick, I said, well, if we're going to continue running, we're going to have to get a chair built so that uh, I won't be hurting as badly. So we went up to uh, Crotchet Mountain in Greenfield, uh, New Hampshire, and we met an engineer up there, and we told him what we wanted. And he just took some old pipes, and he just welded them all together, and we got an insert to put in this chair. And... What we did, we called it the running chair. And at that time, there was no baby joggers, and all the regular wheelchair athletes were using the four wheels, the two in the back and two in the front. Wow. Well, our first chair came out with the two in the back and one in the front. And I told these people 
that they had to start building them because other people are going to want them. And they just looked at me and laughed. Now they have to go out and buy them at the baby targets. <laughs> and now all of the wheelchair athletes are using this three wheelchair also. Amazing. But we took our new wheelchair and we went into what we call to enter on our first official race was over in Springfield, Massachusetts called the Glendy Race. We got over there. Nobody came near us, nobody talked to us, and nobody wanted us in the race. But finally I talked to the overall race director and he said that we could run. Well, there were 300 runners in that very first race. And uh, we went off and we came in 150th out of 300. <laughs> and after that, Every weekend, we started to go to different towns and different cities. And people finally started to come over and talk to us, and they could see that they were not going to catch anything from Rick. You know, they thought he had a disease, and they didn't know what was wrong with him. And Rick had a personality and sense of humor that was unbelievable. You know, when we're out there in the middle of people running, his arms are up in the air, he's got a big smile on his face and everything. So it was kind of tough there, breaking the barriers down that people right. had against us. And that fall, we uh, we sat down, and uh, Rick and I, we discussed what we wanted to do the following year. We decided we wanted to run the Boston Marathon. We'd only been running for seven months. But we made up our minds, mindset again, that we were going to do the Boston Marathon. <laughs> so we applied to the BAA, the Boston Athletic Association, and they turned us down. They said, no, you can't run because you're different than anybody else. But there's a wheelchair division in the Boston Marathon. So we went to the wheelchair division and asked them if we could run with them. And they turned us down, too. They said, no, you're different than anybody else. You can't run with us. But what they did say is, if you want, you can line up behind us and run. And that's what we did in our very first Boston Marathon in 1981. We got up behind the wheelchair athletes, and we ran. And we ran our very first marathon in three hours and 20 minutes. Good grief. Which beat probably 80, 80 85% of all the other runners. After that, uh, we applied the following year, and the BAA still turned us down. Even though we ran under three hours, we ran the, the next two years, we ran a 258 and a 259. Wow. And they, they still turned us down. So finally, I talked to Will Clooney, who was the executive director of the BAA, and asked him why we couldn't be official entrants into the marathon. And he said it was because we didn't have any qualifying criteria. And what he meant by that is Boston is the only marathon in the world where you have to qualify by running another marathon in a certain time depending on your age. Well, at the time, Rick was in his 20s. I was in my 40s. So they're using Rick's age for us to qualify. So that meant we had to run under two hours and 50 minutes. Mm. So that fall, we went down to Washington, D.C. to run the Marine Marathon, which is called the People's Marathon. Anybody can run in this marathon as long as you pay your entry fee. So we went down, and in that marathon, we ran two hours, 45 minutes, and 23 seconds, mm. which qualified both Rick and I for Boston. We got the official certificates. We submitted them to the BAA, and we've been official entrants in the Boston Marathon ever since. Wow. As a matter of fact, in 1996, the 100th running of the Boston Marathon, Rick and I were honored as Centennial Heroes by the BAA and John Hancock, the sponsor, who turned us down initially. Isn't that a word, how it works? Isn't it? Yeah. So we've come a long way, and we've been able to break down a lot of barriers along the way. And that's because we never gave up, and we never take no for an answer. And now you've done triathlons and, and the Ironman, which is just uh, 
what is it, two 2.4 miles of a swim and 112 bike and a 26.2 miles. Right. And that's, uh, you know, in Hawaii where it's hotter than Hades and up uh, the side of a mountain. Yeah, that's, uh, we had the same problem uh, trying to get into the Ironman also. Um, when we applied to do the Ironman, they turned us down, and, and finally they come back, and they says, well, Dick, you can do it, but your son has to sit on the sidelines. And I says, no way. I said, that, that's not the way we compete. So we were able to negotiate with them, and finally they let us compete in the uh, Ironman triathlon. Dick, give me this. Where, where does that come from? Where does that mindset come from? Just, uh, you know, you're not going to take no for an answer. You've got just a commitment that, you know, you're going to get this thing done. Where does that come from? Uh, it's tough. I, I think it's just that, you know, I, I think it comes from, from Rick because he's a young man that, that uh, he knows everything that's going on. And, and it's just that his arms and his legs can't move and he can't talk. So, so he's not able to do all these things himself physically. Mm-hmm. But mentally, he's there. He's, he's thinking all these things, and he's very, very smart. And, and I think that mindset, it, it, it comes from him, and I've just made up my mind that he's going to be like everybody else. He's going to be included, and he's going to do things that everybody else does. And it just, it just becomes a resolve. And so your, your mindset... Because of your resolve, you come into contact with rules, regulations, with uh, breaking new ground, with having to invent a, a computer, having to invent a a, uh, a wheelchair that can run. Uh, it just the bottom line is all the physical things around it come to play because you have your thinking in a certain way. You have your mind made up, and what a great phrase that is! You've heard you've said that about five times so far, right. and that you've had your mind made up. And because a lot of times it seems to be. We get caught up, Dick, in the how-tos. Like, gee, how how will we ever, you know, be able to communicate with Rick? You know, how will they build a computer? You didn't care how they were going to build a computer. You said, I, w- I know if we get a computer, he can communicate. And so what's it going to take? That's right. Uh, you know, gee, I, I, w- I know I pushed him in a wheelchair that was a, like a steel gurney. There's got to be a better way to do it. How, what is it going to take to do that? Yeah. And so you don't get caught up in how are you going to build it? How is that going to work? How are we going to qualify? It's tell me what I have to do. Your mind's made up. And that, and that resolve has manifested all the other physical realities around you. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing stuff. How do, how do you stay motivated? How do you, do you ever have days, Dick, where, you know, you've had to train, obviously. You don't just start. You don't run a marathon in two hours and 45 minutes by just deciding that's the day you're going to run. You've obviously had to put a lot of miles in, a lot of time in, a lot of effort in. A lot, yes, a lot of training. Now, do you ever have days you don't want to get out of bed? No, I, no, I always want to get out of bed. Um, yeah. And we've done 825 athletic events, and mm. I've always been motivated for every event. We've, mm-hmm. we've done every event. We've finished every event. Mm-hmm. And we, we finish well. And, and sometimes I have a problem with the training. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so much training. Right. And I, most of the training I do, I do alone. Right. Most other people, they train, and they train with groups of people. Yeah. But my training, I, I do, I'd, I'd say 99% of my training is done just by myself alone. Mm. Because uh, I don't have, other other people are not doing the types of things that I'm doing. And a lot of them are scared to run with me, oh, you're too fast me, and stuff like that. And I try to say, no, I'm not when I train. You know, I'm, I don't go out and, and do speed work all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I might I go long and far, but everything that I do, I do for endurance. 
Right. To build it up. See, the same thing for the folks listening on this call today, Rick, uh, Dick. What's happening is uh, we've asked them to to do a system. You can get up for you can get up for a race the same way these folks can get up for an appointment or a sale or or when there's business to be done. But it's the stuff in between. We ask them to, to make calls to their client database, to send out personal notes, to stay in contact with people. And that's the same as you do in your training midweek. Right. And that's, that doesn't seem to be the fun stuff. The fun stuff is doing the event. The fun stuff is um, making the sale for these guys. But it's that stuff in between is where all the money's made. It's, you know, it's the training is what has allowed you to compete. Yeah. Um, how, what is your mindset? I mean, there's got to be days. You just back to your mind again. Yeah. I mean, you can you can be physically fit, 100% physically fit, but if your mind isn't made up, you're not going to be able to do the event. When I go out training, I tell myself, okay, I'm going to go out, I'm going to do an 18-mile run. And I have no problem doing that 18-mile run. But if I try to do 20, 22, I can't do it. Because your mind is focused on the 18. My mind is focused. And that's what a lot of people have told me. They said, we've watched you, and you're so focused. It doesn't matter if a train pulls out in front of you. You're going to go under it, over it, around it. Somehow. <laughs> it's going to stop you. Right. You know? And I can feel this building up in me as I as we get closer to an event coming up. Mm-hmm. And people can tell because I'm, I act a little bit different. Because I'm, I'm getting focused and my mindset is set that what I have to do. And I got to make sure that I'm ready to do it. Amazing. And and again, as I see so many similarities here with with you know the books I've read and the people I've met and whatever success I've enjoyed myself, it always seems to come back to the mindset. It always seems it to always come back does, to yeah. what's in between your ears. And uh, it's amazing you say that very thing because as a novice runner, I, I get the same thing where if I have a goal of a certain distance in mind, it's amazing. Even if it's a shorter distance, it's once I get to that distance, I'm done. It's that right. And um, it just seems to be that, you know, it's the same way in, in anything in life. You've you got to focus in on the goal. You attack the goal. And then, you know, it's, 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 you've got to almost immerse yourself in it and be consumed by it. Exactly, yeah. So, so on those days when you – do you have do you have good days and bad days? Do you have days when you can't wait to get out the door and do the training? There's other days, boy, you know, this is really a pain in the butt. Do you ever have those days? I really – I have to say no. Really? I don't. That's amazing. I, I don't. No. Like I say, sometimes – the, the training, you know, I, I'm glad when the event's coming because, you know, I, I'm talking about three and a half, four hours, maybe longer a day, mm-hmm. especially when you're getting ready for the Ironman. It, it's longer days because you're swimming, running, and biking. And mm-hmm. to get into the biking, you know, you're talking about going out there for 70, 80, 90 miles, mm-hmm. you know, and then, then your running is only like 18 miles, but the most of it is is your biking and, and then the swimming, too. I mean, you get out there swimming in a lake. Yeah. That's why I like swimming in a lake and not in a pool because I go out in my lake and I swim for a mile and a half. Well, I got to get back. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that <motivates> <laughs> no, that's motivation. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But, uh, but really, I, I really do. I work out three and a half, four hours a day and mm. throughout the year. And then in the summertime, it, it's a lot longer. Wow. I, I got to be physically prepared. But it's still the headset, your mind. If your mind's not there, you're not going to do it. Now, obviously, Rick is a huge source of inspiration for you, uh, and you draw greatly from him. Uh, in addition to Rick, is there, what other, where, where does your inspiration come from, as motivation uh, to keep going, to keep doing it, to keep building on the mindset? Well, when we first started, I told you that nobody wanted us, you know? Yeah. And uh, nobody wanted anything to do with us. 
Well, now everybody wants us. Yeah. Everybody. It was, I understand we're that. We're invited all over the world now to compete in events. Mm-hmm. And I have more people that come up to us. And I'm not talking about this, it's just disabled people. Able-bodied people that don't have anything wrong with them say, hey, we saw you two out there doing this triathlon, and we were standing on the sidelines. And we just want to thank you, because now we're in the best shapes of our lives. We're out here doing triathlons, and we love it. Mm. And this happens to us all the time. Every race we go to, people come up to us and talk to us. So they inspire and they motivate us as well as just the other way around. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's just great because the only trouble is we get through an event, people come over and we're talking there for a couple hours. You don't get a chance to warm down. So I might be a little stiff the next day. Yeah. But, but, but it's great. It, it, it's motivating and it's inspiring people to get out there and do things that they would never do in their lives. You bet. Yeah. Isn't it wild that the, the acuteness of the obstacles you've had to overcome that the fact that so many people said no, now everybody says yes. Everybody says yes. And and all the all of the challenges, the the more intense it seems to be, the challenge is, it seems to be how much greater the reward is on the other side. Exactly. Now, uh, you're going to continue on uh, competing. You're, you've got some races lined up this year. Yes, we uh, we do fifty races a year. Holy moly! Yeah. And uh, people don't know how we can do that because we just completed our 21st straight Boston Marathon. Wow. And uh, we will do probably 20 triathlons this summer. Good Lord. It'll be a total of uh, 50 events. And we're getting into a lot more. We're doing speaking engagements all over the world now. Mm-hmm. So uh, our schedule is very, very busy, and it's it's kind of tough for me to stay in the type of shape that I want to. Mm-hmm. But you just have to... You know, find the time and make the time to do it. And so you've got, you've got, and that's another key issue for many of the people listening there because you get things going, you're going to start being a product of your own success. It seems as soon as you get more momentum and you get more success, then the very difficult thing you have is, you know, the time issue. The time issue is. How do you fight that? How do you work with your time? Well, I, I plan it out and I, I don't let, I, I don't let a lot of things, you know, take up my time. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, so my, you know, my house might not get cleaned. <laughs> uh, I might not answer some emails for a, a day or two or something like right. that. You know, it's just some things do have to go. So, so you prioritize you have it. To prioritize, yes, the important things. So no matter what you're gonna, no matter what you're gonna get your three or four hours of work done a day. That's right. No matter what. No matter what. And then you've got some travel. That's you've my got number some one priority, right? Yeah. And so you're going to, you prioritize your day. And so cleaning the house is priority number seven. <laughs> well, sometimes I get the girlfriend to come over and she, she cleans the house for me. <laughs> Either that, she can't come over. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tough stuff. Well, that's great. Well, you know what I'd like to do, Dick, if you're up for it? Um, we have... Uh, from at our we have an event every year I call a mastermind summit and we we have last year we showed a video of uh, from NBC of you guys at the Ironman and uh boy people were just in tears uh people were deeply deeply touched by it and we had about a thousand of our best clients there um and we've we've been able to expose a lot of people to your story uh because it's of great inspiration to me and to many people and it's not just it's not just uh it's it's a great story of overcoming a challenge uh, and continually overcoming challenges. It's a great story of uh, uh, family love and loyalty. 
it's a great story uh, for inspiring people. I mean, here's the deal. You know, you're 60 years of age. I'm looking at a picture of you right now as I'm sitting here. You don't look like any 60-year-old man I've ever seen. Oh, thank you. And uh, so you know, there's just so many pieces to this puzzle that are uplifting and inspiring. And uh, it's really had a great impact on many of our clients. And that's part of... Uh, uh, my gift to give back to you than that the thousands of people I've had opportunity to share your guys' story with has really had a tremendous impact upon them and inspired them and motivated them to, to reach their goals. That's and amazing. it's like, boy, look at these guys. Look what they're doing. Boy, you know, I do it. I, you know, my brothers and I sat down and watched your guys' video, on, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, come on. How difficult can this be? Um, and it's great stuff like that. I would love these guys to have opportunity to talk to you, ask you some questions, to talk to you about your mindset and, and and your focus and how you plan your time and that kind of stuff, and maybe dealing with some obstacles they're dealing with. So, Tasha, if we can at this time, let's conduct some question and answers. Our first question comes from John Madras. Go ahead. John Madras. Hey, Brian. Tell everybody where you're calling from. We're back station, Virginia, just outside of D.C. How are you? Great. What's your question for Dick? Hey, Dick, got a question for you. You are... You're an amazing individual, and you're a, a phenomenal example of a dad to us other dads. I, I hope uh, – I'm just awed by you. What What do you read? What do you listen to you know, as far as motivational stuff, and do you have written goals? I I really don't have time to do any reading. I don't like to say that, but I don't. And But we do have goals. And matter of fact, Rick and I sit down, and we have, like, short-range goals and long-range goals, mm -hmm. both for six months, a year, two years, and up to five years. Mm -hmm. we, we set our goals, and we have certain commitments throughout that time frame. And it does change, you know, often. It changes back and forth because something may come up that's a little bit more important. Mm -hmm. So you got to be flexible sometimes with your goals also. So you reprioritize them? Right, exactly, yeah. Are those goals written, Dick? Excuse me? Are they written? Are they in front of you in some way? Do you, know, do you write them on your bathroom mirror? Do you, do you know? No, we, we usually write them down on a piece of paper, yes. And how, how often do you revisit those goals? How do you, how do you affirm those goals? Or you know, do you use affirmations or things of that sort? Usually we, usually we check our goals monthly mm -hmm. uh, because we are so busy. And Rick, see, Rick lives in Boston, so he's about 90 miles away from me. And there's a lot of days where I have to go in with him because he has personal care attendants and one of them wouldn't show up or something. So we have to keep checking those goals monthly because we may forget something. So you guys get together, go over the schedule. Sometimes the short range and long range goals, they're getting tweaked all the time. Exactly. So you, you set it in stone, but you write it in pencil. Yeah, exactly. Like we ran, we ran a bike across the United States in 1993, wow. and that was a long range goal that we had. We, we said we were going to do it in five years, and and all of a sudden the time frame come up, and we had these sponsors, these companies were going to sponsor us, and all of a sudden two weeks before we were going to go on this trek, the sponsors dropped out. Mm. So we didn't have any sponsors or any money, but we had that goal and we had a mindset up. We we're going to do it. And so what I did is I refinanced my house mm. so we could have the money to go out and do this trek across the United States. And wow. we ended up doing it. Great stuff. Thank you, John. Great questions. Thank you, Brian. Super. Who's next? What's your next question? Our next question comes from Karen McMahon. Go ahead. Karen, where are you calling from? From Dedham, Mass. 
How are you doing? Very good, thanks. How about you? I have today? a feeling we're going to get a lot of New England phone calls today. You think so? <laughs> Dick, I just wanted to say, first off, um, in high school I volunteered at the marathon, and it was absolutely phenomenal how you guys would affect the crowd when you went by. And it's it's been a motivating force in my life just as, you know, goal-oriented and as well as I look at you as a parent, and I thank you because you're such a great model for us. Um, I have three kids myself, and the love that you have is just so apparent, and it's just, I just want to say thank you for just being there. It's just incredible. And my question would be, how do you handle the discouragement? Because with so many people against you, how do you not just say, oh, I can't do this? You know, how do you, how do you pick yourself up when everybody's pushing you down? Well, you can't get discouraged. You got to be very, very brave, and and uh, it's just I I, I got to go right back to mindset again. I made up my mind that we're not going to be discouraged, and we're not going to take no for an answer, and we're going to go out there and do the things that we want to do, and Rick's going to do them with us, mm-hmm. no matter what happens. It's just it's incredible. I'm I'm just in such admiration of you guys. It's just it's just really great what you do. Well, thank you. It's it's just, it is amazing uh, with the crowds at the Boston Marathon. It's just unbelievable. It, it is. I mean, we watch, now I don't get in as much. I, I have a newborn, but we watch on TV and I tell the kids, look at that. That is that is somebody who's going to do things. And you, I tell my boys now, you can do anything that you want to do. And That's don't let people tell you differently. That's right. Exactly. Great stuff. Yeah. Super, Karen. Great Thanks. stuff. Appreciate the input. Thanks so much. Have a great day, you guys. You bet. Great. Who's next? Our next question comes from Mike Tevy. Go ahead. Mike, where are you calling from? That's uh, Mike Tevy in Reno, Nevada. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Hey, Brian. Top of the morning. Rest of the day to you, sir. Yeah. Um, this is a terrific uh, phone call. I had uh, kind of two questions. One is, uh, Dick, you mentioned that when you're training, you do 99% of your training by yourself. But do you mean, is, is are you training with your son at that point? My other question, which is connected, is what's the level of his involvement as far as... Um, communicating, maybe plotting strategy, planning the training regimen, and so on. The first part of the question is, when Rick and I first started uh, competing or running, I used to train with Rick, and that's when he lived at home. But then he, you know, he decided when he wanted to go to college, we wanted him to go, you know, a couple pounds over, and he decided, no, he wanted to go to Boston because he wanted to be that much further away from his mother and father, and that's why he went to Boston University. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so uh just like every other kid, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. So uh so what happened was where he's that far away, I couldn't train with him. So what I would do is I'd get a bag of cement. Rick at the time weighed about a hundred pounds, and a bag of cement goes ninety four pounds. <laughs> and so what I do is I'd put the bag of cement in the running chair or in the bike and you want to see some people look at you. <laughs> Run down the street with a running chair and have a bag of cement in it. Mm. <laughs> but that's how I used to do my, do my training when I thought we needed. But where we compete every weekend, I really don't need to, I don't need the weight. I just train on my own. But it, it's very difficult because, uh, like December and January, we only run a couple races in December and sometimes maybe only one in January. So when we're getting ready for the Boston Marathon, I'm out training by myself in the first couple of races that I run with Rick in the chair. It's like starting all over again. You have all those aches and pains, mm. and it's very sore. So 
I got to go back and get that bag of cement <laughs> when we start training in the wintertime. And the aches and pains, like I say, you got them, but it's, it's the case the mindset is you're going to have them and you've got a bigger goal. That's right. Yep. And they go away. Amazing. We, we did a race yesterday, and uh, I, had to, I had some serious blister problems uh, this year at the Boston Marathon. I blistered up blood blisters on the bottom of my feet at three miles. So I was running 23 miles with blood blisters. Oh, wow. And it was very painful. And what you do is you compensate. You don't even know you are mm. when you finish it. And I couldn't hardly walk for seven or eight days after the marathon this year. Mm. So for the first time in my life, I went to a foot doctor because we had a race coming up the next week. And I do the same thing to a doctor. I said, don't tell me I can't do it. Tell me what I have to do so I can do it. Mm. And so he made some uh, new inserts for my shoes so that when I ran, I couldn't, you know, I wouldn't be putting pressure on the blister because he didn't want to break them open because he thought if he broke them up open, I'd get infected. Wow. So, uh, so you're, I want to, I want to have you say that again, cause that's brilliant right there. You don't tell me I can't do it. Tell me what I have to do. Tell me what I have to do so we can compete. Exactly. Wow. That's brilliant. Yeah. Great stuff. And so, he, he did. <laughs> yeah, and he did because you asked a question and he walked into a man who said, this is what I'm going to do. Exactly. And he said, okay, this guy's really going to do this. I better find a solution. And we went out the next week and ran in a race and we took first place in my age group <laughs> uh, with the blisters, you know. Amazing. So we, so we were able to do it. Wow. But what happened was uh, I had a, uh, was it two days ago, I had a, all of a sudden I had, had this big pain in my right hip. And it was very sore. I couldn't even touch it. I said, what is going on? And I think it, your body's an amazing piece of machinery as far as I'm concerned. Because you, you get all this trauma and you get all this pain, but it only releases a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. Like there's certain pain in one day and then that goes away and then you get other pain. And I think this is what happens with my hip. And so Saturday I could hardly walk. And we went down to a race yesterday, that police race that we did in Wellesley, Massachusetts. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to run or not. And we went in, and we still took first place in my age group. Today, I got no pain. <laughs> so I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got time for the pain. Isn't that the commercial? Time. That's, right. that's great you, you stuff. go away. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing stuff. I think it has a lot to do with the mindset. I know a lot of people are going, gee, you know, he, he's he got to be super this and that and the other. But the fact of the matter is, what you're saying is, you know, anybody's capable anybody of this. They can do it. Yeah, they can if they make the money. Absolutely. Great stuff. Thank you, Mike. Who's next? Next question comes from Carol Berg. Go ahead. Carol Berg. Tell everybody where you're calling from. Um, Bedford, New Hampshire. Now, you have, seen the, uh, you have seen the backside of the Hoyts from time to time is what I understand, Carol. Yes. Four years before the 100th, um, my friend, I, I always run with another guy. <clears throat> That's in case I pass out. Um, I was at the uh, finish line at the uh, Boston Marathon. That was my first time seeing Dick and his son come in and, and the crowd reaction and everything. It was incredible, but it was at the end of the race. And then we set a goal, my buddy and I, and our, but our goal was to do the 100th. And um, we trained, we trained. We, like Dick said, you have to qualify. We tried many times qualifying. We finally qualified um in Lowell, Massachusetts, they have the flattest marathon you've ever seen. <laughs> and, and that's the one we qualified at. And we went down to Boston for the hundredth. And, um, and during the race, somehow we were out ahead and, um, we heard the crowd 
cheering behind us, and there was another guy doing the hundredth called Back Backwoods Man, and he was running the whole race backwards. And, and we kept passing this guy every so often, and and we just thought it was Backwoods Man. And then the next thing I knew was this rocket goes by us, and my buddy and I are there. Wow, that guy is nuts, and. And the thing that impresses you about when Dick runs, he doesn't run like the rest of us. He he pumps. He, I, I've never seen a runner pump his legs like that. I mean, it's the most incredible thing. It's it's not what we would consider an efficient runner. I don't think anyone told that to Dick. I mean, he he just pumps those legs, and he does for twenty six point two miles, and and it's just amazing. I mean, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And in the crowd, I mean, he is probably the biggest crowd pleaser Boston has. And yeah, there's right. nobody, nobody that can drive the crowd crazy like he does. And it's just incredible. Now, you know, slouch yourself. You've run, what, a 240? Yeah. Yeah, 240. But that that was 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, amazing. Not anymore. I weigh two forty. <laughs> I weigh two forty. Still run, still do it, but um, but speed speed is not one of my characteristics anymore. No. Just finishing is is what I key on. No, that's, that's great what I stuff. Key on. But the C Dick and his son is 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 something that you, you'd never forget. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Dick is incredible. He is an incredible guy. They're quite a team. Yes, they are. Thanks so much for that input, Carol. Appreciate okay. that. I'm sure Dick appreciates it, too. Who's next? Uh, our next question comes from Tino Perez. Go ahead. Tino, where are you calling us from? Uh, Midland, Texas. Wonderful. Thanks so much for calling in. My, my, uh, I just wanted to tell Dick that uh, I have a son that uh, is, uh, has multiple sclerosis. Uh, he came down with it two years, two years ago. And we're fortunate that he's doing okay uh, right now. But uh, every day that <clears throat> that we wake up, we wonder if he's going to have a good day or not. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to kind of tell him that uh, people like myself, they see that what he's doing is a lot of inspiration for us. You know? That's, That's great. Wonderful from day well, to I'm day. glad to hear that because when uh, Rick and I first started competing, and we were getting into on the TVs and into the newspaper. I got a lot of phone calls from other families that had people with disabilities, and they were criticizing me. They they were saying that I was dragging my disabled son out just so I could get all this publicity, and it was just the opposite. My disabled son was dragging me out to get me in the best shape of my life, well, and helping all these other people and families. And and that's you know another great point that that brings up Tino and Dick is that you know you've had to face a lot of different adversity and 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 not the least of which is the terseness of that other people bring certain mindsets to the table right and they view you through their glasses and they say well obviously this man's motivation is this is for himself because that's how they think and so you've had to go through some criticism and and. Uh, I'm sure you've heard a lot of negative stuff over the years for doing this. Oh, geez, yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so you've had to weather a lot of that. Right. But the bottom line is you've, you've had a very singular focus, and the fruits of your labor is that it's touched the lives of, of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people around the world. Um, and oh, uh, that's that's a great, great testimony to your own uh, stick to but also that, that – you know the path, the journey is. You know, there's a, there's drama involved in life here, and there's there's challenge, yeah, and it happens. It comes not just. It's not all about just running. 
no, it, it comes at you know figuring out how to how to when do I find time to get groceries? You know when do I time get time to clean the house? When do I have time to make uh, reservations for playing? When do I get time for myself? I mean, all of this stuff is part of the great drama that's that's all of our lives. And your challenge happens to be you know running races with your son, hey. uh, but it's inspiring to us all, able-bodied hey. and otherwise. All right, so who's the last questioner? Carol Dignan. Go ahead. Carol, where are you calling us from? I'm calling from New Smyrna Beach, Florida. Wonderful. Thank you. All the Floridians calling in today. That's great. <laughs> well, this is a transplant from Massachusetts mm-hmm. in 1997. So first off, what I'd like to say to Dick is just thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I stood on the sidelines, Dick, of Route 135 in Natick, year in and year out, watching you go by. And I have to tell you that every time I get the same experience of... Uh, tears, but it was tears of joy Mm. of a father with his son. I was a mom and dad for five kids, and I overcame some adversities, but they pale compared to you. So I need to ask you, um, you've pretty much answered it, I think, overall in some of the questions, but one of the questions that I have is, what do you do for yourself, Dick, on a daily basis to lift your spirits? Um, I know Rick is a major part of it, and I think the gift that you've given each other over the years is amazing. But is there something special that's non-active that maybe you do for yourself on a daily basis to lift your spirit? Uh, I just feel uh, living a healthy lifestyle really uh, lifts my spirit. I mean, I look forward to every day and the challenges that may come ahead. And uh, I... I just eat well, you know, I, I work out, and uh, I look forward to going to the health club. I look forward to everything that I do all day long. I don't get to do everything that I want to do, but, you know, I do it the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I'm just a very happy person. I'm happy with myself and what I'm doing. Well, thank you so much, and That's I am going to get back to my strength training at the Y. You know, and I think one one other little point, of, you know, that's apart from all of this, and it's one of the aspects that I talk about the five circles, spiritual, family, business, financial, and personal, and one of the personal sides is obviously mental and physical health, and there's no question about it, that feeling better about yourself physically, um, feeling that you're in good shape, and and comfortable with yourself and inside your own skin physically is a great thing. It's a great thing and it's it's beneficial. And uh there's no doubt. I mean that's been one of the benefits for you, Dick, that you know you've got a you've got a you're in great shape um for anybody. Let alone forget the age aspect that, that people bring up. I mean you're just in great shape. And that's a great thing that to, to have carrying with you through your day. And so that's a great encouragement for everybody as well, especially in the business world. It seems to be the last thing that people seem to do is uh, take care of themselves. Right. So great question. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you. See you in June Texas. Looking forward to seeing you there. <laughs> Bye. Great. Dick, I want to thank you for being on the call here today. Uh, it really has meant a lot to me, and uh, I know that if the folks will take the time to listen to this, you know, a lot of times uh, we get caught up in the how-tos very much. And um, I think what what you've blown past here today, just like you blow past a lot of runners in a marathon, is that you got to have your mind made up. And uh, you you just basically said, I'm not going to get discouraged. 
Okay. Now we all do get discouraged, but you just make in your mind up. I'm not going to get discouraged. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on what I'm trying to do. Uh, you plan it out and, uh, you just go and get it done. You fit in the times that you need to get things done. You prioritize. I did hear that over and over again, you know, that you do the important stuff first. And because of it, you've been able to achieve enormous things. You've been able to one piece at a time. Now it's taken 20 years. But uh, you've just done these remarkable things, and you've inspired so many people. And uh, you've helped a lot of people on this call here today because the, many of these folks do not have the challenges. I do not have the challenges uh, to overcome that you've had to overcome and, and that Rick has had to overcome, uh, a remarkable achiever in his own right. And, uh, you know, to graduate college and graduate high school as he has and compete in the 825 athletic events. I mean, remarkable, both of you. Um, but... These folks have to take this information and apply it to the challenges that they're facing, right. and the very same way. And sometimes, to uh, some, sometimes uh, a challenge, like I say, you know, to do a couple of what seems sometimes can be basic activities can be the biggest obstacle in the world. And so, the reason I have you on this call today is to to thank you to uh, uh, to share you with our clients so that they can be encouraged and to be able to. Uh, reach out and touch somebody who's exhibited some greatness in their life. And so I certainly thank you. Uh, our clients do. And uh, we much respect and love for you and Rick. And uh, much continued success in all your future endeavors. Well, thank you very much. And I've really enjoyed it. Great being with you here today. Uh, to all our callers and to all those listening to the tape, I hope you've enjoyed this today. Uh, next month is going to be a very... Uh, we're going to get back into some more practical how-tos on how to be a peak performer inside the referral system. Um, but uh, I hope this has been beneficial for you today, and I hope you understand that when you go to work on yourself, uh, boy, this system will go to work for you. And the real key is we all have obstacles to overcome. I hope you've learned some great things from uh, Dick Hoyt today. And uh, make up your mind not to be discouraged. Make up your mind to go and achieve your short and long-range goals. Fit, fit, the, fit the activities in, no matter what. Just fit the time in. Make it work. Plan it out, prioritize things, and then go execute. And you can have some remarkable impact on your own life and then hopefully on others. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed this call today. I certainly have. Once again, Dick, thanks so much for all your contribution. And we look forward to seeing you real soon. What a man. What a story. Great to hear that inspiring message today. Check out the show notes for this episode where you can find links to even more of the Hoyt story. Let's hear from a very special Irish woman to send us on our way. May the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.